Good morning, class. Good morning, Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Uh, looking back over uh, our life, my wife Phyllis and myself, these past uh, 40-some years of ministry and, and learning to walk with the Lord, uh, the things we first began to learn about faith back in the 70s, um, we can see it put us on a track. It, it, it began to completely change the way we thought, the way we see things, the way we perceive. And um, it has to do, you know, to hear the the topic of faith, people can have all kind of ideas about that. And sometimes people will say, well, what faith are you? And they mean, you know, what group, what denomination, whatever that you identify with. And, uh, but that's not r real faith. Uh, the Bible said the just shall what? The live by faith. Faith is not a theological position. Faith is not a doctrine. Faith is a way of living. It's a way of life. It's a way of thinking and talking and acting and living. It's not just something you do for a few minutes on Sunday morning. It's, it's every day and every night and every situation. You'll either respond in faith or in fear. You'll either respond, you know, walking by faith or walking by sight. And so uh, it's much bigger than many have understood. And so I'm glad you're joining us today because uh, the Word of God will enrich your life. It will enlighten your darkness. Get you a Bible and something to make notes with and come on into the classroom. Uh, shut off everything else. Don't let yourself be distracted. God's Word is too important for you to be trying to uh, do other things at the same time. Give the Lord your full attention and you'll get answers. Lord, all of us agree today as touching this, asking you for the anointing, asking you for utterance, asking you for revelation and guidance and direction and help. You are the, the wonderful God, the mighty God, the good God, the faithful God. And we reach out to you to receive of your goodness today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Would you look, please, in Hebrews, the third chapter is our uh, uh, text that we've been uh, looking at for some weeks now on a series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. You'll find that unbelief is an enemy and one of the worst that you have. In fact, one of the worst things that could possibly happen to you is to be in uh, rebellious, unpersuadable unbelief. 
You can get in a place, uh, in a situation, if you're like that, where God himself can't help you. Now, I know that sounds like, the, well, that's too big of a statement, Brother Keith. No, he would have to violate his word and override your will to help you, and he's not going to do that. Not that he doesn't want to help you, not that he's not able to help you, but he can't break his own word, and he's not going to override your will and force you to do something against your will. And so you, you really can get into a situation where nobody can help you. Nobody. And that's, wouldn't that be about the worst place you could be? But uh, if you will repent, if you're willing to admit your mistake, if you're willing to make a change, God can fix anything. There's nothing too bad, nothing too far gone, nothing too hard that he can't lift you out of and deliver you from. But you've got to be willing to change, willing to repent. Notice here in, in Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 7 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Uh, we mentioned repentance, and hardening your heart is the opposite of that. It's being unwilling to humble yourself and uh, make a change. If you keep going, it says, Your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, sin means to miss it, to miss the mark, to uh, make mistake, to, go, to, to be in error, to go the wrong way. And um, if you realize, I have messed up, I, I have missed it, What's it time to do, class? What's it time to do? It's time to repent or uh, part of the definition of repentance is change. Um, one part of uh, the meaning of repentance is that you have uh, um, a godly sorrow for uh, displeasing God and disobeying Him. You, you regret it. Now, the Lord doesn't want you to get in condemnation and shame, and he didn't want you to, to stay, you know, beating on yourself because of it. He didn't want that. But if you don't acknowledge that you missed it, there's nothing to receive forgiveness for. Can you see what I'm saying? You, you got to, you, you must acknowledge your mistake. Then what the Lord wants you to do is immediately receive forgiveness. Receive cleansing, receive washing, receive and confess his righteousness and don't live, uh, you know, anytime in condemnation and shame, but you must not be stubborn when you see that you've made a mistake and refuse to repent. That, that is hardening your heart, uh, stiffening your neck, the scripture says, and hardening your heart and refusing to change. 
you know, uh, everybody needs to change all through our, our life. We're growing up. And um, to say that, you know, I don't, I don't need to make any changes, you know, well, that's, that's implying you have already arrived at complete development and full Christ-like perfection. I don't think so. And not you, not me. What do you think? And if we're growing, then that involves change. Changes. Said out loud, everyone, everyone needs to grow up. Everyone needs to change. There need to be changes. Changes. You'll hear sometimes people say statements that, you know, they don't realize how worldly they are and how contrary to Scripture they are. People say, well, well, you know, God loves everybody just like you are. Said who? Said, well, he does. No. Where, where do you get that? See, did the Bible say that? It doesn't. He loves you right now. You know, where you are, in spite of your goofiness. <laughs> but that doesn't mean he loves all your ungodly ways. Huh? Oh, no. Oh, no. He doesn't have to love all the junk that you've been carrying around to love you. And people sometimes say, well, no, if you, if you love me, you have to accept me just the way I am. No, I care too much about you to leave you just the way you are. God cares too much about you, about us all, to leave us just the way we are. If we're great just the way we are, we don't need to grow. We don't need to develop. We don't need to change. And of course, lost people are certainly not great just the way they are. Huh? No. Say it again. Everyone. Needs to, needs to change, needs to grow up, to grow everyone. up. Everyone. everyone, everyone. So repentance that involves the idea of change. And um, how long has it been since you repented for something? You know, if you have to think a long time, that's probably too long. You know, this because uh, a lot of people, they, they get haughty and they get proud and they think, they're right about everything all the time and they'll receive no correction and no instruction. And even when they see they're wrong, they won't repent. They go, well, this or that, or, you know, you're wrong too sometimes. Well, we ain't talking about them right now. We're talking about you. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? That is this hardening, hardness of heart, unwillingness. And the thing is, it is so, so serious. It's what got them destroyed. They, even though they had missed it so many times, this, the Israelites that God brought out of Egyptian bondage, even though they had, I mean, you know, they made gold calves and, and provoked God to anger. I mean, they did some stuff. Even though they had gone so far, if they had genuinely repented, God would have forgiven them and, and restored them and got them in the promised land. He got their kids in there in spite of all of everything their parents did and all of that stuff. But the problem was they would not repent. Would not. I mean, every time something came up, 
they're back to the defiance and, and the stubbornness and uh, nobody can tell me and no, we're not going to do that. We've got to do this, this uh, independence of God. You know, faith is not being independent. It's being dependent on God, completely dependent on God. And sometimes people, you know, they want to get, you know, haughty and confrontational and go, well, I got a right to my beliefs just as much as you do. Not if you're a Christian. Neither of us do. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in God, you're supposed to believe what he told you to believe. Not just make up stuff as you go along. Not just invent your own thing. No, uh, in order to, to walk with God, you, you, you need to acknowledge He knows everything. I hardly know anything. Huh? I'm, I'm, I'm still a baby. I mean, even if you're, uh, you know, 80 years old, do you know how young that is in the sight of God? I mean, a thousand years to Him is like a day. So uh, how old, you know, would a hundred-year-old seem to Him? Just... The, the time is nothing, and so the experience and the knowledge gained is so little compared to God. And so, uh, like Paul said, you know, we, we know in part. Well, it's the parts you don't know. It's the gaps. It's the holes in, in our understanding that can allow for us to make mistakes. But that's not the end. God knows. He knows what we don't know. And he realizes when we make a mistake, why we did and what was going on, he doesn't expect you to know everything. He does expect you, when you see the truth, to acknowledge it. Right? And when the light of the truth reveals you've gone the wrong way, it's time to repent. repent. It's time to change. It's time to admit it and quit it. Right? <laughs> And it's time to uh, make that adjustment, make that change. You know, you'll find this phrase in the Scripture numerous times in the New Testament, works meet for repentance. What does that mean? That's King James, Old English. But it's talking about actions that show you've changed. Hmm? Action. So repentance is not just crying about it. <laughs> you know, sometimes... Uh, People have, uh, you know, something happens and, uh, man, they just cry, cry, cry. And a lot of times it's because they got caught <laughs> or it's because they're embarrassed and ashamed. But that's not repenting. That's not repenting. That doesn't mean you went to the Lord and acknowledged this is wrong. I shouldn't have done it. And by your grace, I'm making a change. And then tomorrow and the next day and next week and next month, we see you're going a different direction. That's repentance. Crying, sobbing, using up tissues, not necessarily <laughs> repentance. huh? <laughs> Keep reading there. He said, verse 12, take heed, brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Repentance is a gift and the opportunity to change and get it right. All of us have made mistakes and it's possible that you could make uh, another mistake before this is over. 
But that's not the end. It's not just what you do. It's what you do after. It's what you do last. Hmm? Can you see that, guys? And there's, there's uh, parables that Jesus talked about that. And um, it's, you know, the, the father had uh, two sons. One of them, he told, he, he told one of them to go to work. And, and he said, uh, I'm going. But he didn't go. And then another one, he said, I ain't going. <laughs> but later on, he changed his mind and went. And so he said, which one of them did the uh, Father's will? Well, it's the one that changed. Is that right? Got started wrong. But it's not just what you do. It's what you do last. Right? It's what you do in the end. And so the one that was talking a good talk but never did it, well, he said all the right things, but he didn't do the will of God. And the guy that was uh, rebellious and, and disobedient, yet he came to his senses and said, you know, I, I, that's not right. I'm going to go to work. And so he went and he is the one out of the two that actually did the will of God. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. For, repentance. for repentance. Thank you for the ability, thank you for the ability. To, make real change. to make real change. Now, he, he said, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 15, he says it again. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? And this is that unbelief that is unpersuadable. Uh, th there is an unbelief that's because of ignorance. Paul talked about that back when he was Saul persecuting the church. He said, I, I, I did what I did ignorantly in unbelief. He actually thought he was doing something good for God. But when he saw it, he changed. And what a change. Instead of attacking the church, he became champion of the church. Is that right? And wrote a big bunch of the New Testament. So, um, you know, think about him. If all we would look at him as Saul. Saul, you know, destroyer of the church. No, we don't think about him that way. Because that's not what he did last. Right? That's not how he wound up. That's not, that wasn't the end of his story. He completely changed. You know, he changed so much, his name was changed. Is that right? He was no longer Saul of Tarsus, golden boy of the Pharisees, attacker of the church. He became Paul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Apostle of God. Yeah. Uh, you know, sent one to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Amen. What a change. Wow. Somebody say, what a, what a change. What a change. And God is all about change. Amen. Big change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Change from grace to grace, from faith to faith, from glory to to glory. Are we talking about change, class? We, we're talking about change that man cannot affect on, on their own, but that God can do working in us. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. So he, he talks about this unbelief that robbed them. 
And he warns us not to, uh, not to go the way that they did. Go with me over to 2 Peter while we're talking about this. This is uh, such a great word here. If you're unfamiliar with it, mark it, write it down. Um, 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. This is, uh, we just got through quoting that, that phrase in verse 8. It talks about that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And verse 9 says, 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. He was talking about earlier in the passage that some people say, you know, yeah, the Lord's not coming. Look at this. You know, generations come and go, and it's been all these centuries, and He hadn't come yet. That's just, he, he's not coming. And the Scripture said, well, God's merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. And to Him, you know, we, we think a hundred years is a huge amount of time, but to Him, a thousand years is like a day. And so since the Lord came and, and went to the cross, it hadn't even been a week, God time. <laughs> is that right? Since that happened. And so, um, uh, you know, if it's another, another thousand years before he comes to him, that's only a day away. Hmm? We need to think more in terms of how God sees time because he's right. His perspective is right. We're the ones that have only been around this long. <laughs> That's why, you know, you, you can see it with our little ones. You know, you tell a, a four-year-old that, you know, it's going to be a year until something happens. Oh, man, they will groan. They're like, oh, no, I mean, it's like a lifetime, right? A year? It's like too, too long to even understand. But you tell an 80-year-old. And they're like, I just got used to writing last year's date, you know? And this one already is coming around. Why, why? Is time passing differently? No. But your perspective of it, or your, I should say your perception of it, is altered. Why? You're, getting, you're beginning slowly to realize more correctly the passage of time. And past this life, you and I are still going to be around. And so, you know, a thousand years from now, you and I are still going to be around. And then a hundred thousand years. This is amazing. You know, when you realize you're going to be around forever, it helps you relax. Yeah. What's the rush? <laughs> now, you're not going to be down here forever. You're not going to be on earth forever in this life, in this physical, mortal condition. Thank God for that. Who wants to be? But uh, our future is eternity. He goes on to say, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. And there's a lot of unbelievers around. They have a lot of mocking things today to say about all that. But they're going to see. It's going to happen. How many believe the Lord is coming back? Regardless of what you think, regardless of what your doctrine is, the trumpet's going to sound. He, the dead's going to rise. He's coming back. Are you excited about that too? Oh, it's a wonderful day for believers. Woo! It's a day of days for believers. Unbelievers, not a good day. Uh, 
the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering toward us. Aren't we thankful that his patience and his mercy endures forever? Notice the very next phrase. He's not willing that any should perish. Now this is not, this is not believed by everybody. There's a whole lot of people, including some preachers, that will try to tell us that some destruction is God's plan and will. You know. But according to this, how many is it God's will that would perish, that would be destroyed? Not any. Are we to believe that? Yes. Better believe the Bible, yes. not what somebody else said. Right? I want you to say it out loud. It's not his will that any should perish. Come on, say that again. It's not his will that any should perish. Are you part of any? Am I part of any? Then when is it God's will for me to be destroyed? When? For me to be lost? For me to perish? When? Are there any exceptions? No, they're not. They're not. People are perishing. We know that. But it's happening contrary to His will. Hmm? It's happening contrary to His will. People are, are dying lost. But no way is it God's will for any one of them. Not a one of them was it His will to die lost. People are perishing in this life. They're perishing, they're being destroyed, they're being taken apart, they're being defeated, they're being consumed. Didn't the Bible say the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour or, or consume or destroy? Well, that means he can't just devour everybody comes across, he's got to find who he can. So if that's true, then there's some that he can't. Seeking whom he may devour. How many would say, I'm a may not. He may, he may not <laughs> devour me. Well, it, if there's some he may, there's some he may not. And there's a reason for that. Some play into his tricks and allow him to. Others find out who they are in Christ. Use the mighty name of Jesus and the authority and resist him. And not only can he not devour them, he has to run away and flee when they do. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Oh, glory to God. He said, God's not willing that any should perish. Oh, man, let that, let that word get down into your spirit. Let it be a pillar and a rock and a foundation of all your beliefs. Don't let anybody tell you and you believe it that it was ever God's will for anybody to be destroyed. Amen. Don't believe it. Don't accept it. You can stand right here on this and you can say, oh, no, no. Second Peter 3.9 says he's not willing that any should perish. Yeah, but, yeah, no, no, yeah, buts. Second Peter 3, 9 said, God's not willing that any should perish. Aren't you thankful for that? Well, our time's up today. 
But uh, this is a rock, this is a pillar that will do you good the rest of your life. Well, as you see, we just got into this. Come back tomorrow, there's much more to see. We'll see you soon, back here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.